0: three prongs that were sticking out of the ground which is the M16 has and you've only got to tread on one of those prongs and uh, it, it jumps out of the ground generally at about uh, your, your waist high under your bum and uh, cuts you in half. It's a 360 degrees maiming device. It's not designed to, to kill everybody, it's designed to maim as much as possible and create high water, which I found out much later. On July twentieth,
1: nineteen sixty-nine, Apollo Eleven became the first manned craft to land on the moon. While most of us were watching it on television, Sapper Dave Sturmer was on patrol in the jungles of Vietnam.
0: It was on that that day I think I first learnt fear. The place was full of mines. As we sort of went up, the lieutenant came up, Lieutenant Hines, a great bloke, and uh, he um, came up to tell us, he already told us that the Americans are on the moon, and uh, but he came up to tell us they'd actually landed and walked on the moon, and he pulled my headphones off and said, the Yanks are on the moon, and I think pretty well everybody looked up and as if early in the morning, as if to say, well, I can't see a thing, <laughs> He walked back, stepped over my gear uh, that we'd put together, uh, put the mine detector together, and he trod on the mine that was in the ground. Bang, it went off and cut him in half. Uh, And then downed, I think it was 17, no, it was 18, of the platoon immediately. They were flattened. Phil, my number one, said to me, Uh, you're bleeding from the back of the legs, and pull me to ground. I took one look at him and he was a mess, so as he he covered me, uh, he wore what I would have worn all up my back, but he wore it all. His main concern was his testicles, and uh, so it was really quite funny, because most guys, when they're injured, that's the first thing they check. (laughs) It's it's quite, you can have half half your body blown off, but you always check your nuts, I don't know why, you know. I took him back down the track and sat him down. Uh, I'd sat him down only a couple of metres away from the second mine. Anderson, the the medical officer, saw a sign in the tree that said mine, uh, in in Vietnamese, and uh, he went over to to take it off the tree and and souvenir it, to which he trod on the second mine. And... uh, with that it didn't jump out of the ground like it, it normally would do it went off underneath him and she him his front off as if uh, God, I don't know someone had cut him down the middle with a razor blade you know so a small piece of uh, the shrapnel from the second mine uh, had pierced straight through corporal Needs' heart and killed him instantly it took out three of the a combat engineer team that had come in to help and wounded a couple of other guys that also wounded uh, Colonel Butler. So it just became, the, the day became a bigger mess as it went on. So,
1: and so this is the incident that uh, Red Gum wrote that.
0: Yeah, that's song right, about. that's exactly right. Contact,
1: and the bloke behind me swore, we hooked in there for hours, then I've got almighty raw. Frankie kicked a mine the day that mankind kicked the moon. God help me. He was going home in June. I I
0: have no reason to understand why they use Frank as the guy that detonated the first mine, but I'm sure they've got good reason for it. it A couple of beers, I don't know. Uh, But eventually. yeah, it does. Yeah, do little of the truth get in the way of a good story or whatever it is. You know, so it uh, it was nice, and it's it's nice that they uh, they had written it. Um, many years later, Phil and I went down to Bega where Frank was. Of, of belief that he was one of the people that set off the mine, and uh, we assured him that no, he wasn't. It was definitely Lieutenant Hines. And poor old Frank, you know, he was he's still a mess, and for the amount of injuries he had.
1: I didn't even feel God in me. I was only 19. And can you tell me, Doctor, why I still can't get to
0: sleep? So with that, the choppers came in, managed to take us all out and uh, they finally took Heinz's body out. Uh, so with that, we went back to hospital. Uh, they patched us up. You know, I thought we'd done enough uh, in hospital, painting stones in our recovery, painting stones white in the hospital. And then I came back and they said, All right, right, you're, you're going off uh, with a kev up into the May Towers. It was a big attack on, on uh, uh, Charlie's, one of Charlie's installations. So on the 8th of December, and we were going to pull out. I think we made a decision with the crew commander at that time, as the lead vehicle, which way we would go. He conferred with his, uh, the troop commander of the, the column, of the APCs, and they said yes, we'll stay on the right-hand side of the track. So we pushed forward. We would have only gone well, maybe 50 metres from there, and we hit the first of three mines, the anti-tank mines. The first one had gone off underneath the driver's hatch. It lifted the whole carrier up. Now, in the meantime, the white heat that came up the side of my side of the carrier uh, had cut the rifle barrel off my Amalite. It had picked the carrier up with such force, it moved it to the right and set it on the second mine. Uh, To which that catapulted me forward, way forward. Down the track in front of everybody. In my consciousness, and I was in the air. I thought of like been coming off the high border to the swimming pool where you do a bomb. So I tucked in a ball in the air and I hit right on the base of my spine, I landed right on the base of my spine. And I must admit, that hurt. It blew my clothes off, excepting for my bayonet. I started touching myself as to see what was missing. Again, you just go straight to your nuts and go, yep, they're there. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, above me at the time was Peter Bradford and his helicopter who was bringing out an engineer combat team.
1: Peter Bradford was a volunteer pilot who served a year in Vietnam flying Iroquois helicopters in combat, supply and medevac. And as we flared to land, an almighty shockwave hit the helicopter that we were flying. We, we had tripped another mine with the rotor wash and uh, the debris that this mine threw up hit the helicopter and did significant damage. However, we were uninjured and David had been literally catapulted off the top of the APC. I estimate probably 15, 20 metres down the track in front of the APC. And it was some time, uh, it took some time for the um, the engineers to get a path to him to bring David back to where we were. He was severely burnt. All his skin was exposed. His clothing were literally blown from his, from his body. I have a strange recollection of people laughing at me because I had no clothes on. So, but anyway, that's, that's a strange way. He was winching that he was thirsty and uh, to break the ice a little, I said, how about we feed you some Sydney water? So we <coughs> cracked the top on this can and I remember leaning over him and lifting his head up to get him to drink some of this Sydney water.
0: So there encompasses the the story of how I first met Peter and uh, I never, ever got to say thank you for the drink of water. Then it was back in hospital. I had exactly the same doctor who treated me the first time around, the only young bloke, and uh, he said, Corporal Sturmer, it's time for you to go home. (laughs) You're not doing a good job here, you know, so we'll get you out of here. So I think you've had enough. So I was discharged in uh, March, I think it was, March or May.
1: That would be 1970? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd never really got a chance to say thank you to Peter and it it did, uh, it affected me for a long time and it was basically some 40 years later I ran into some guys from 9 Squadron uh, at Government House and I asked them did they know of the incident and would they know who the pilot was? because uh, I wanted to say thank you. They went back through their uh, network and it would have been
1: a week later I got a phone call. He had put a, an email out on the 9th squadron, and that was the squadron I flew with, the RAAF Number 9 squadron, and on our website, I was looking at the emails this particular day, about a year ago, and uh, this email said that... Uh, Dave Sturmer was looking to make contact with the pilot who had fed him Sydney water and I pointed it out to my wife and I said, have a look at this email. She looked at it and said, gee, that's interesting. I said, yeah, it was me that fed him the Sydney water. Now, there was a mobile phone number that he'd had on this email and I thought, knowing my luck, the guy probably lives in Darwin or wherever. However, I immediately rang it just to see where he was and uh, believe it or not, he lived in Hornsby.
0: This is Peter Bradford, yes. I was the one that offered you the drink of water. And uh, I said, well, I just want to say thank you. From that point on, we became good mates and uh, close friends. And, you know, like Peter still today has wonderful uh, ability to still, still protect. And then as I want to protect my people, he's very much the same uh, in protecting the people he picks up. So, there's, again, the, the bond is so strong, so strong, strong.
1: God help me I was only 19 Produced by Neil Ashworth for Triple H 100.1 FM Acoustic guitar by Clive Lane